Welcome to the Celebration Sessions podcast with me, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast about life, loss and love. As a celebrant, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. And it's my reminder to make the most of the important times and how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello there and thank you for joining me once again on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Now as the holidays are upon us, I thought I'd take a look at the festival that is Christmas in this episode to see how different cultures celebrate the holiday, the traditions of Christmas, which is not just a religious holiday, but a worldwide cultural and commercial phenomenon. Now, if we take a step back, looking at it for around about 2,000 years now, people around the world have been marking this with traditions and practices that are both religious and secular in nature as well. So yes, Christmas celebrates the birth of that Christian Jesus figure, but even predating that uh, by a long shot, many cultures uh, marked the winter solstice uh, when the worst of the winter was behind them and they could look forward to longer and brighter days. So, for example, the Norse celebrated Yule, uh, their winter solstice. Uh, Rome celebrated Saturnalia, a holiday in honour of Saturn, the god of agriculture. So when it came to Christian churches wanting to mark the birth of Jesus, it was thought that December might be an appropriate time to do it. And interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't mention a date for the birth of Jesus. And it is something I believe a few Puritans around the world have apparently tried to point out in order to deny the legitimacy of the celebration. And in fact, there are beliefs that his birth may have occurred in the spring, because if you think about it, why would shepherds be herding and watching their flocks by night in the middle of winter? So it's a fair observation. Anyway, uh, Pope Julius I chose December the 25th and it has continued almost every year through two millennia, except one very short period in history for around about five years in the early 17th century when Oliver Cromwell made it his business to see that Christmas was cancelled. But when Charles II uh, was restored to the throne a short while later, with him came the return of Christmas. So I thought it might be nice to have a little look at some of the different ways that Christmas is celebrated around this very small globe of ours. And who better to talk to about Christmas but with writer, producer, broadcaster and Christmas FM's Christmas Claire, Claire Murray. Claire, how are you doing? Connor, thank you so much. My God, what an introduction. I am very well, thank you. How are you? I am great. Thanks very much. Uh, delighted you're here joining me on this podcast and especially appreciative because I know at this time of the year you're very busy with Christmas FM. So thank you for taking the time out uh, to chat with me. Um, have you had a chance now to get ready for Christmas yourself now at this stage? No. No. <laughs> I have not. I think it's so funny. I'm like my world is all about Christmas. My life is all about Christmas kind of from the last week of, of November onwards. But 
it's all to do with Christmas FM and the website and music and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the whole shopping side of things, I just I'm I'm a real procrastinator when it comes to that side of things. I just can't help it. It's I have a few bits, but yeah, I could be a lot more organized. But you look, it all gets done. Well, exactly. It all gets done. And uh, and then you get to relax for the Christmas. Um, do you like Christmas? I mean, you, you must. Yes, I do. I really do. And actually, you know, it's so lovely that being on Christmas FM because I adore Christmas music. That's actually a massive part of it for me. I really <laughs> love Christmas music. I think it just adds such an atmosphere to everything. It's, you know, you're listening to it in the car, you're listening to it in shops. Some might say too early. <laughs> I will say I'm not an August, you know, a Christmas in August person. I don't want to hear, you know, Wham's last Christmas when I'm doing my shopping yeah, in September yeah, or October. Yeah. I'm, I, You know, I think it really does need to be well into November and December before you start hearing the Christmas music. But once it's there, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I did want to ask you, in fact, when that point was. I mean, it's probably once you get past Halloween, then it's safe to start talking about Christmas and getting into the Christmas spirit then. I think it's okay to start talking about it. Again, I'm not a put your tree up on November 1st. I I think it's hilarious that you see Mariah Carey, you know, now doing her (laughs) every year on on November 1st. She does some sort of a transition from regular Mariah to Christmas Mariah as soon as Halloween is over. And I know that a lot of people will do that as well. But no, for me personally, a tree wouldn't go up now in my house before December. Yeah, yeah. And that is fair enough, I think. I guess putting the tree up really is in itself its own tradition and its own ritual um, amongst the many that, that you might have yourself on the lead up to you. It's weird. When I think of Christmas traditions, I always think of childhood Christmas traditions, you know, like right, yeah. um, my sisters and I, we would always watch White Christmas at some point over the holidays and we oh, would always nice yeah you know when we were smaller then we would put out we, we kind of had a ritual of putting out our chairs for Santa so you know, you know the way sometimes you see these Christmas trees and there's loads of presents under the tree after Santa has been and you're kind of like how, how does anybody know whose mm-hmm. presents are whose I, <laughs> no I don't get it so what we used to do is we used to put out a chair each and then we would write a note to Santa and write our name obviously at the end of the note And then when we would come down in the morning, all our presents would be on our specific chairs. So there's no, you know, (laughs) somebody opens a present and decides they want it. And it's like, actually, that's mine. There's no confusion, you know, especially when there's three girls. (laughs) It it could have gotten confusing. (laughs) So that's one of them. And then Midnight Mass was always a big thing. And being part of the choir, you know, I mean, Secular music is fantastic and I love everything on Christmas yeah. FM, but I also really love um, the choir music and the church music and things like Oh Holy Night and Silent Night and um, In the Bleak Midwinter and all these beautiful hymns that really are just fabulous to listen to, I think. And especially if there's a choir and there's harmonies and everything, it's just, it's magical. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, am I right in saying then that a lot of churches don't do Midnight Mass as much anymore, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think actually what they do now is they call 9 p.m. mass midnight mass, mm. which is weird because when we were younger, we actually went to midnight mass. Yes, I know. <laughs> we wouldn't get home till about two o'clock. We'd all be absolutely wrecked going to bed. And yeah, but but now it's kind of, you know, I'm in a choir now and it's it's 9 p.m. is the time. 
for Christmas Eve. Yeah, and I remember being a child and going to midnight mass, as you say, but it was all, it always coincided with the closing of the pubs. So invariably, every year in Dublin, in Dublin 8, where I am at least, um, there'd be some kind of uh, interruption as some, you know, as as a drunk guy would come in and interrupt and and start shouting. Um, It was was an annual event. Um, So it was like this little bonus, an added extra to the tradition of Midnight Mass. Uh, You'd you'd have the drunken interruption. Wow. Um, And I think that was probably part of the reason that they stopped it in Inchicore anyway. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know the exact reason, but yeah, I think it's it's a rarity now. But I'm sure it still happens. Yeah. And and in fact, I wonder, is Midnight Mass at midnight making a return? Because I'm pretty sure I've heard of a few parishes starting to reintroduce it. So I don't know if it's something to do with nostalgia. Maybe the demand is returning again now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I think, you know... I think it is nice. Maybe some more rural places do it, but I think for a lot of people, maybe they just want to be home a bit earlier (laughs) to get everything done that they need to get prepped for the day before. Personally, I think if I had the choice, I would probably go with the 9pm version in future (laughs) because it's, it's a very long Christmas Eve when you're waiting to go to midnight mass and you're just crying for your bed by 11 o'clock and you have to leave the house. I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? (laughs) But, you know, it was all part of it. When you think about it, oh my word. Um, Claire, look, let's delve into some traditions uh, around the world. And I know from chatting to you off air, I love the fact that you've brought a few to the table uh, that I'm looking forward to getting into. I had a few then that I wanted to share with listeners as well because... I mean, I just find them fascinating. So, shall we begin with Japan? Yes, I love this tradition. I think it is gas. When you think of the pressure that people put on the Christmas dinner and you hear people talking about ordering turkeys and ordering hams and filling their trolleys to the max and the stress of the supermarket rush and you just think of all that and then you hear of this tradition. (laughs) And it is Kentucky Fried Bucket of Chicken for Christmas. I just think, well done, Japan. Well done. (laughs) Exactly. Well done, Japan. (laughs) Well played. Um, I mean, obviously, you have to appreciate that Japan isn't a Christian country, per se. So they wouldn't mark the occasion in the same way as a Christian country uh, would do. But of course, Christmas pervades so many cultures around the world. So this dates back, um, I believe, to the 1970s. And it was the brainchild of a marketing executive within the company at the time. And he woke up during the night and jotted down this idea because apparently it came to him in a dream. And it was a party barrel to be sold at Christmas. Don't you just love that? I just think it's hilarious. He saw it in a dream. (laughs) Exactly. You can almost see it coming to fruition. Um, It started, like all good things do, with a marketing campaign and a good slogan as well. Kentucky Fried Christmas. Um, And in fact, I'll I'll attempt this and wish me luck. Uh, Kurisumasu Niwa Kentucky. Nice. Kentucky for Christmas. Is it? Yes. So I <laughs> I think that's genius. Yeah. And it's, it's just the alliteration. It's the C's. It's everything worked. It was short. It was snappy. And my God, did it take off? Oh, yes. <laughs> it absolutely has taken off. And I believe you have to order your Christmas Kentucky Fried Chicken weeks, sometimes months in advance because demand is so high. Apparently yeah. around 10 million people go for this meal every Christmas. 
Oh my God. So that's the irony. It's like it started off as this convenience thing and now it's it's actually following in the footsteps of ordering the turkey, ordering the ham. You know, now have to order your Kentucky Fried Kentucky for Christmas weeks in advance. Yeah, to make sure that you get it. It's crazy. And it is a genius marketing campaign. It's so good. And I you know, apparently they changed the design of the festive bucket. Every yeah, year, yes. you get a commemorative plate yes. inside. The I just... plate that comes with it is is part of the excitement of getting your party bucket from KFC. Party bucket, <laughs> like I would love that. I think that's that's brilliant. I would love to do that one year. Just order KFC's yeah, famous yeah. fried chicken as part of my Christmas dinner. Yeah, and I think there's actually room to bring something similar like that to Ireland. Oh, definitely. Wouldn't it take so much stress out though? You just order it; it arrives. Sit down. I mean, there'd have to be some little reflection or nods uh, to Irish culture. So we couldn't do KFC. We'd have to do um, Supermax. Oh, interesting. Well, perhaps I would not rule it out. Actually, I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to start advertising companies. Well, yeah, that's true. The Christmas spice box. <laughs> oh, my God, a Christmas spice box. How about that? I'm telling you. <laughs> Tell me, I think I think it could take off. Oh, I think so. I um, it. it is interesting, and I think. Do you know what? I think the fact that they change it every year, it's evolved. You can now you can now get champagne uh, with it as well, which is very fancy. I know that, like, yeah, to fancy it up, and and your man who who came up with the idea, like, climbed the ranks and was president and CEO after like that insanely good idea, and you don't blame them. Like, yeah, yeah, he was something like he was president from. What is it, 1984 to 2002 or something? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that story. It's just brilliant. Yeah, I believe so. Just goes to show you. I I think he is practically Colonel Sanders himself now. (laughs) Um, Tell me this, Claire. You actually have um, an interesting one from Poland. I do. I love this. I came across this very recently, actually. So one of Krakow's... Is it Krakow or Krakow? I mean... I'd say Krakow is it either okay. either or a little from column A, a little from column B. I don't know. I sound a bit yeah. I think I'll I'll stick with Krakow. So <laughs> one of Krakow's most popular Christmas traditions is the creation of I'm going to attempt this Sopki Krakowski, which is essentially I, I am Poland's, buying that clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially Poland's annual contest to find the most beautiful nativity crib. Oh, I'm now, liking this. I know. Having said that. It's not exactly the crib that we would know. It's more of a strange cross between a nativity scene, a gingerbread house and a dollhouse. <laughs> so these okay. kind of creations, they resemble really colourful kind of castles or cathedrals and they incorporate the architecture of the country. And so it started apparently like it's it's a folk tradition dating back to the Middle Ages, but it was repopularized in 1937 with the first official Christmas crib competition. So therefore, 2021 marks the competition's 79th edition of the contest. Oh, wow. And it's amazing. It's, you know, local masters compete to have their works recognized and there's different categories. And then the winners are displayed in the Krakow Museum. So this year alone... That's quite the honour. Isn't it? And 106 cribs were submitted this year. I find that insane. It's just, it's huge over there. And the cribs have to present elements, like I said, of the city's architecture while portraying the nativity scenes. And so this year, the actual competition day was December 2nd. So if you're lucky enough to be visiting Krakow at that time of of whatever date that it's on, you are in for a treat because it's all displayed in the market square. 
Wow. So you get to see everything. And then if you're not lucky enough, but you're there before the end of February in 2022, you can pay a visit to the exhibition, which takes place in the Krakow Museum, which has them all. And it's running until the uh, February 27th, I think it is, next year. So, yeah. I have to say, that sounds lovely. It sounds like a nice thing to do, probably very family orientated. You know, you can go into the city and enjoy checking these out. And as you say that, what comes into my head is the Irish tradition of going to see the shop windows, the Christmas windows between yes. Brown Thomas or Arnott's um, over the years or Switzer's when I was a kid. Um, oh, yeah. It's probably something, you know, a similar feel to that, I think, is it? Yeah, and I think it's a really big deal for the people who make them as well or, or like that for the people who design the shop windows. You know, it's a big project and it's a real... Um, I don't know. I suppose it kind of really shows off their talents and it gives the, you know, it could actually contribute to the sales in that shop for the people of Krakow. Obviously, it's it's a real celebration of the craftsmanship of the people who are there. And I just think it, it embodies loads of different, like really great things. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I'm all for it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, I must have a look at that online and get some visuals as well, because it, it does sound lovely. Uh, really lovely. Um, Claire, there was something I wanted to put to you and get your thoughts on. So shall we move down under next, down to between Australia okay. and New Zealand as well? Because I think we all have that idea of Christmas on Bondi Beach and, you know, Christmas in Australia. Um, I put out a little message on the Celebration Sessions Instagram page and, you know, just looking to to see if people had their own little traditions and their own experiences of Christmas abroad. So a friend of the podcast, Clara Malone of Coastal Ceremonies, um, and in fact, Clara's been on this podcast on a few occasions now. So the wonderful uh, Clara uh, from Coastal Ceremonies sent this message. She said, I spent Christmas in Bondi and it was very strange to be in sweltering heat while still cooking the traditional turkey and ham for all the Irish Aww. who missed home. A fun but hot day. Now, thank you, Clara, for sending that in. Really, what jumped out at me there was for all the Irish who missed home. And I think so many Irish have been to Australia. Yeah. I, I think that Christmas on Bondi, it's almost like a rite of passage, I'd almost say. Yeah, I would think so. And it's it's funny because I'd say it's the most nostalgic time. Like, let's say you're over there for a year or doing your year out or whatever. It's got to be the time that you miss home the most or you feel the most probably patriotic. <laughs> so even yeah, if you are yeah. on, the, you know, the beach in Australia that you're, you know, you're wearing your Santa hat and you've got your turkey and ham, like you're trying to make it, you're trying to bring in as much of home as you can. yeah. yeah. And yet, I think were you saying before we were before we were chatting about the fact that you don't actually do barbecues. So uh, yes, yeah, this is true, and, and thank you because that's a lovely little segue onto the next message, <laughs> which came in because yes, Clara says it was strange to be in the sweltering heat while still cooking traditional turkey and ham. I, I presume they were two separate events. You have the yeah. turkey and ham at home. And then go to the beach because another good friend of the podcast, Mags, messaged in. Uh, Mags is Australian in Ireland. And she said, we have a cold Christmas dinner, usually cold meats, seafood and salads, cheese boards and pavlova. Right. Remember pavlova because we'll come back to that. Uh, Or ice cream or jelly for desserts. For us, it's all about staying cool because it's summer. Now, here's what I mentioned earlier on, because she goes on to say, depending on where you are in the country, there usually aren't any barbecues running. 
because we spend most of December, January and February on a total fire ban because of the risks of fires being started. So for us, it's all about staying cool and enjoying the sunshine and spending time swimming and hanging out in the water. So Mags, thanks for sending that in to me. Um, I think it's interesting because we have a preconception of what Christmas in Australia is like. That's amazing. I didn't know about the three-month fire ban. So Barbies on the beach on Christmas Day aren't as much of a thing as you might think. You yeah. don't think of seafood and pavlova. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> wow. OK. I mean, I like my pavlova, but I, ooh, pairing it with a bit of crab. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But no, it is interesting because while we in the Northern Hemisphere, certainly in Ireland, are having our turkey and ham, our real wintry meats. Warm, and yeah. Everything is cosy. Yeah. And, you know, exactly. Cosy Christmas cooking. They're having salads and seafood. It's you very know, different, so isn't it? It's interesting, That's yeah. It's mad. Um, but look, let's move from Australia. We're just going to hop across the water uh, to New Zealand, neighbouring New Zealand. And I believe they enjoy a good Christmas pavlova as well. Okay. And Nairi Blackhall sent us a little message. And I'm going to share this clip, Claire. Uh, this is Nairi sharing her experience of Christmas in New Zealand. Hi, Connor. Thank you for um, giving me a little trip down memory lane as I think of Christmas growing up in New Zealand. Um, As everybody probably knows, in the Southern Hemisphere, Christmas is smack bang in the middle of summer. And um, if we're lucky, we're enjoying beautiful days um, and time on the beach and barbecues. So a traditional family Christmas in my house, actually, we still used to have the roast turkey and ham, roast potatoes, but then there'd be like, Um, lovely side dishes of salads and cold potato salad and whatever was seasonal. Um, The Brussels sprouts would still have an outing, but everything um, where I grew up was freshly grown in my mother's garden. Um, Though there were sort of like traditional outings to the local pea growers and um, families would go and pick buckets of peas for Christmas dinner or I remember a magical time going with my friends, the Ashby's and and picking strawberries. Oh my goodness. But it was just such a magical time. Um, Christmas dinner. Oh, just I can almost taste it. And there'd be a fabulous pavlova with fresh cream and fresh fruit and oh, jellies. And then the trifle with a little bit of sherry in the bottom of it. Oh, it was just really magical time. Um, much the same as in Ireland, though. Christmas was a real special time um, for Farnell, which is what we call family in New Zealand and it's sort of it's your extended family so there's aunties and neighbours and other people um, that join and come in and um, see you. Then Boxing Day was always a day to pack everything up and go to the beach and all the leftovers from Christmas dinners and new salads will be made and um, the, the, the chilli bin or esky as you guys call it would be filled with ice and stubbies of beer, little small cans of beer um, There'd be boxes of wine for the aunties. Oh, it, it was magical. And we'd go to the beach and play cricket on the beach with a tennis ball and, and a tennis racket if there was no cricket bats around. My dad used to go fishing. And if we were lucky, we'd have snapper for dinner. Oh, you're making me really homesick. Christmas in New Zealand was real family time and we enjoyed it. But as I said, like here, Christmas is about family and friends and getting together and enjoying yourselves. Happy Christmas, Connor. 
Oh, thank you so much, Nairi, for that lovely, lovely message. And I have to say, I'm so That's sorry. Amazing. I, I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't make you too homesick bringing back those <laughs> lovely memories. I had to include that clip in this episode. I just thought it was so beautiful uh, when she sent it to me. Um, and yes, ultimately, a lot of what we're talking about here center around family and food. They're two things yeah. that seem so central, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. And it's lovely to hear you know, that even though it's literally on the other side of the world, that's still the feeling that she has now as well. And I think, you know, so many of us, you know, are very lucky to have those kind of memories of it as well. You know, the foods might be different and the place might be different and the weather might be different. Uh, it's great to hear the old Brussels sprouts are the same, though, <laughs> on, on the other side of the planet. But, you know, there's no escaping them. But, you know, it is lovely that it's it's that it's the feeling and as corny as it sounds that it's, you know, the spirit of Christmas and it's the memories that you make with the people around you that is actually what you take from it. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. Uh, no, that's a, a lovely picture that, that Nairi painted of a New Zealand Christmas. And in fact, not a million miles then really from the Aussie Christmas as well. They sound like very outdoor celebrations, which of course is, is really lovely. But again, I guess they're fortunate on that side of the world that they can do that. Um, But being an outdoor Christmas, I did see something recently about what Santa wears uh, when he gets to Australia and New Zealand. So, yes, he wears his red suit, uh, as you might expect. But I believe that in New Zealand, Santa wears jandals, which are (gasps) New Zealand sandals. And I was like, oh, my God, of course he does. (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that an amalgamation of two words or is that just a brand or (laughs) I'm I'm fascinated now by jandals. I'm like, what's the start of the word? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I never asked. Um, And in fact, if any New Zealand listeners are listening into this, do get in touch. Let me know what the origins, the the entomology uh, of the words jandals is. Is it like jelly sandals? Jandals? (laughs) I don't know. And then the other thing I saw um, was that it's not uncommon, in fact, for Santa in New Zealand to wear an all blacks rugby shirt uh, as well. So fair play. I like oh, that. Oh, of I can course. Get that. So fair play. Nice. Fair play. Yes. Um, thank you, Mags, Clara, uh, Nairi, for getting in touch, getting involved uh, in the show. And I have to say, I really, really appreciate it. Um, let's move back somewhat closer to home to uh, Scandinavia and to Finland. And you've got a nice one from Finland. I do. I actually came across this yesterday. So... You know, obviously every country has its festive traditions, but this one's a little bit more unusual because I don't know if you know this, Connor, but uh, Finland has two million saunas shared between just 5.5 million people. And so I... (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Two million... Saunas. For five million... For five and a half million people. Yeah. So believe it or not, it it actually plays quite a big role in their festive traditions. (laughs) Wow, that is an awful lot of saunas. I know, you'd practically have the sauna to yourself. Oh my word. (laughs) Happy days. So the peak apparently of Finnish Christmas celebrations comes on Christmas Eve when, you know, after a light lunch, uh, almost everyone in Finland takes to the sauna. And so much so that... The famous sauna manufacturers, Tylo, have suggested that it's actually a great way to ease tensions before the Christmas dinner guests arrive. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, let's call a spade a spade. You know, sometimes uh, Christmas can be stressful. So what a fantastic way to to de-stress before, you know prepping the the, uh, the dinner and having to to go through everything that uh, that comes afterwards oh my word i kind of love it 
Look, I mean, look, let's be honest. I love Christmas, but honestly, there are times when it can be quite stressful. And in fact, if I thought I could take a few moments in a sauna to just chill out, I'm just saying... I would not be opposed to that. That's all. I think, yeah, I think a good, you know, you know, nice 20 minutes of heat and relaxation and just, you know, sweating out the tension (laughs) (laughs) and the toxins and all the chocolates you've been eating (laughs) kind of regroup and, uh, you know, regain a bit of composure and then come back out refreshed, relaxed and ready for the evening. Oh, do you know what? Uh, only a country that has a sauna for that sounds like every two like one for every two people I think only they could incorporate I mean, a sauna as part of the Christmas tradition but um, I have yeah. to say I, I do love that fair play yeah I think well done Finland. Um, well done yes uh, now I'm very conscious of time I am loving this so before we start to move towards the end can we just touch on Venezuela yeah so Joel Vivas from San Cristobal uh, sent us a message about Christmas in Venezuela. So let's have a listen to Joel telling us about his traditions. Hey Connor, so I'm from Venezuela as you know and we have some different traditions there. For instance, we celebrate Christmas on the 24th and Christmas Eve will be our main day. On the day all the family get together, we have Christmas dinner. Our Christmas dinner is basically made of ajacas, which is something similar to a tamal. It's just like a, a dough with meat inside and they are wrapped in banana leaf and then you boil them like for six hours. Every family get together, basically, uh, when I say family, I'm talking about cousins and uncles and aunties and grandmothers and everyone, and we'll meet it together. Hundreds of ajakas are made at the same time. And then basically we divide them between uh, each household, basically, yeah? And that will be our dinner with uh, some ham, cheese, uh, and beverage as well. There are some typical beverages in Venezuela for Christmas Eve, something called ponche crema, which is made of, it's actually it's actually quite sweet. It's made of condensed milk, could be rum or whiskey, uh, some eggs. You blend it all together and that people, that's what we drink. There are some other traditions as well. So it's baby Jesus who brings the, the presents to the kids and we open the presents on midnight, on the 24th midnight. So at 12 o'clock, all the kids are running around waiting for the presents. So yeah, I mean, it's, I would say compared to Ireland, it's quite family event. All the family is together, sharing stories, having some food, some fun. So I hope you enjoy my little tips about Christmas around all, all over the world. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, we did enjoy that, Joel. Thank you very much. Uh, that's lovely, isn't it? That was gorgeous. Yeah. I yeah, loved yeah. it. It's so interesting to hear the different types of food and the different, you know, even celebrating it on the day before. Absolutely. And that, you know, Absolutely. that it's the baby Jesus that brings the presents. Yeah, that's yeah. all mad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is worth saying that if Irish kids are listening in and they're trying to calculate at what time... Santa's going to arrive in Ireland. It is worth remembering that he's not going to be stopping in Venezuela because, as you heard there, instead of Santa giving the presents in Venezuela, it's El Nino Jesus, the little baby Jesus. El Nino Jesus. Okay, well, there you go. And the other thing then, Christmas Eve appears to be the big day there instead of Christmas Day. Yes, I've seen that actually with a few different uh, countries as well. I think Germany is is quite... Similar. They celebrate mainly on the 24th, which they call their first Christmas, and then the 26th, which they call 
the second Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's actually probably more popular than we realise that it's kind of celebrated on the 24th. Yeah. And I think for us in Ireland, Christmas Day is the big day, really, isn't it? Yeah. It is. But you know what? We've actually discussed this on Christmas FM a bunch of times of which do you prefer, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? And I have actually in the past said that I prefer Christmas Eve. Certainly as a child, I preferred Christmas Eve. Excitement. My gosh. And we used always, actually, that was another tradition. Myself and my sisters used to go down (laughs) uh, to the town in Tralee on Christmas Eve. And we did all our Christmas shopping (laughs) on Christmas (laughs) Eve in that like three to four hour period. And it was so much fun and the racing and the rushing around. But yeah, it was so exciting. I loved Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. And Claire, I'd agree with you because... I do prefer Christmas Eve myself. Christmas Day can be can be a long day. And it and we can. both now have, you know, nieces and nephews. When you have children, there is that energy to that day and it's fun and it's lovely, but it can be very long. Um <laughs> whereas Christmas Eve is a bit more chilled, it's it's nice. Um and I think I'd probably do something similar as well. Um, like I tried to get into town and um, obviously restrictions and, and COVID aside, certainly yeah, before the pandemic and hopefully whatever I can do this year. And as we go forward, it is lovely to get into town. And here's one thing I love doing. Um, I love bringing, are you ready for this? A little hip flask of Bailey's into town with me. And what I do is I get a little hot chocolate or a little coffee, a little <gasps> takeaway. Oh my I, God. Yeah. And then I put the Baileys into that and then take a little wander up Grafton Street and just soak in the atmosphere. <laughs> and that is genius. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's lovely. Oh it's nice. My it's God. really nice. Yeah. I'm yeah. stealing that tradition. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. You don't have to steal it. It's there to be taken. Okay. Now it's a shared tradition. <laughs> it's a shared tradition. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. No, by the time that, you know, I've met a few friends early on and um, we go for a couple of drinks in the early afternoon. Then it's a lunch with family in the later afternoon. And then once you get to around about four, five o'clock, the shops start to close and it's t- it's time to crack open the Baileys, get your takeaway <laughs> hot chocolate. Fabulous. Now, look, I mean, Christmas Day is lovely as well. And it can be very yeah. chilled out, actually, in the evening, especially when everything is done and you've, you know, all the presents are opened and all the dinner is eaten and yeah. you're stuffed and you're just relaxing. And that is lovely as well, especially if there's a fire going or if, you know, there's a good film on. That's all lovely as well. Of course it is. I just, I think it was the buzz and the excitement of Christmas Eve when I was younger. Definitely was just so exciting. It was brilliant. And just to say now, we've actually pretty much come full circle. We're we're actually starting to touch on Irish traditions now. Before we move on, I do just want to acknowledge and say thank you to to Joelle Vivas. Um, Thank you for sending me that message in. And thanks for sharing that. And I am certainly going to be trying some ponche crema uh, this year. I'm going to try that. Um, essentially, it sounds like a, a Venezuelan eggnog somewhat, I think. Excellent. Okay. Mm. I've never had eggnog. Oh, my God. It is lovely. It is lovely. Okay. Um, now, by the way, it's only in the last three or four years, I think I've had my first eggnog. Uh, and like that, you know, with food and drink, you know, really, you eat with your eyes, right? And eggnog... <laughs> doesn't look great and when you find out that there's raw egg in it 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 did take some convincing Mm. but once I tasted it oh my word it is delicious it's delicious it really is yeah I could and because I hated mince pies as a child 
I just oh. couldn't get my head around. I think I thought it was mints and that there was some sweet stuff in it and it was wrapped in pastry and I was like, gross. But then I, yeah, I must have, you know, accidentally eaten one with a cup of tea and fell madly in love. And now, yeah. you know, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without at least one box of mince pies <laughs> to myself. <laughs> I know, right? So a mince pie and some Venezuelan poncha crema. Um, listen, Joel, thank you for that. And in fact, what really came out of that is the idea, and I know we touched on it earlier, the idea that Christmas is about family and food. And in fact, I did just get another message from a Venezuelan friend, Pablo Rojas, uh, who said, in Venezuela, the best Christmas tradition is preparing the food with family. So it's just so simple and and beautiful. And I don't think we're a million miles from that in Ireland. I think we're very much about, you know, family uh, and food. I think we are, aren't we? Yeah, We are. And there's huge family traditions as well with things like making the Christmas cake and making the Christmas pudding. Um, Like we were I'm I'm working on Ireland AM at the moment and we got stories in about your favorite Christmas cooking memories. And so much of it was with make my my granny making the Christmas pudding. And we all got to come up and stir the mixture once and then make a wish. And I thought that was so sweet. There was loads of those kind of things coming in. And it was just, it's so nice to hear all the different traditions that people had growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a little ritual that many people in fact will recognise and 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 share with. Um, Claire, before we wrap up, there is one more tradition uh, that I think is not as common anymore. I do just want to reference the Wren Boys. Yes, that is a massive thing. Actually, especially in the west of Ireland and in Dingle in particular, apparently it's still really, really big. But you're right. I think it is kind of slipping a little bit around the country. But it's I think it's a good one. And maybe, I don't know, is it because I'm a dub perhaps? Maybe just because I'm probably a bit of a city boy. I don't know. But I think there is a very small group of people who meet up on a Stephen's Day. Yeah, so like it would take place. Yeah, it always takes place on the 26th of... December, so St. Stephen's Day, and the tradition kind of consists of hunting the wren, which was, you know, a tiny little bird. And now it's it's a fake wren, but previously it was a real one. And uh, go figure. And, you know, I think you put it on top of a decorated pole. And then there was these crowds of, I think they were called mummers or straw boys. So they would dress up in kind of old raggedy clothes and colourful hats and all that kind of stuff. And they would celebrate the Wren, which is actually also pronounced the Ran. So they would dress up with masks and straw suits and yeah, just really colourful, raggedy kind of clothing. And then what they would do is they'd, they'd kind of go around and it was almost like performance. So they would, yeah, they would perform, yeah. you know, songs and music and they'd n- nearly be going around in little bands and they would parade through towns and villages and they're, you know, they're literally called the Wren Boys. Obviously, they're men and women. And they go around and they're kind of collecting money to bury the Wren. Like there was a song and everything for it. And it's it's a real tradition. And it's something that, you know, is always kind of nearly, it was featured on the news. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it on the news every year that they would have a camera down there and you'd see it. And it's such a lovely tradition. And it, it kind of really brings people out of the house, I think, you know, after maybe being inside all day on Christmas Day, everybody comes out and it's a real kind of celebration of music and song and dance and tradition and community, I think, really, as well. And it's just really nice. It is. Very Irish. (laughs) It is. It's a nice tradition, very Irish and yeah, certainly Celtic at least. And, And like that, I think probably not as popular 
anymore. But I do remember being a child. <laughs> my parents brought me down to, I think, I think it was Sandy Mount on St. Stephen's Day. Um, so I did get to see it and I'm aware of it. But as you say, further west, it's probably a much yeah. a, a much bigger thing. It is. Yeah, I think it is. Now, having said that, I'm, I suppose I haven't actually seen the Ran Boys or you know, experienced it in person. Um, I'm trying to think what would be actually probably the Christmas Day swim is probably still a huge thing around the country as well. Oh, and something words. that definitely takes place in the beaches around Kerry. So that's something that's kind of very much to the forefront of my mind, even though I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I will, though. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Yeah, um, definitely. Someday. Yeah. And I think the 40 foot is the big one in Dublin yes. on Christmas Day. But, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a big swimmer. Oh, so. jeepers, you'd want to have the dry robe on standby. Yeah. <laughs> and a hot water bottle. <laughs> and a hot water bottle. And a hot whiskey. <laughs> and a hip flask as well to put in your coffee when you come out. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Claire, listen, how long have we been talking? Um, I think we will wrap it up there. But listen, Okey just doke. to say thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. It was such a pleasure talking about all this stuff. I kind of, you kind of have all this information in the back of your mind that probably I've just gleaned from years of being on Christmas FM and writing about this stuff and yet it was just lovely to revisit it all I loved it uh, so thank you well look thank you so much and I just want to wish you a heartfelt very happy Christmas and I hope Santa's good to you as well thank you same to you now for any listeners uh, who want to get in touch with Claire or check out your hilarious reels and your stories that you have Claire <laughs> um, you're on Instagram at Claire Murray G um, and that's where you I might am. get to know Claire's stunning dog Otis, your gorgeous dog. How is Otis? Actually, I never asked. <laughs> Otis is great. He, he's he's acting like a bit of a diva at the moment, but uh, it's it's always in good fun, and we get a great great laugh out of him. So yeah, he's the star star of the show always. Oh, well, look, perhaps over the festivities, uh, we'll be able to meet up and, and maybe take Otis uh, for a walk. That will Claire, be thank you very much. Happy Christmas, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Claire Murray there, also known as Christmas FM's Christmas Claire. Uh, now, before we go, just to say to you, the listener, this is the last episode of 2021. The celebration sessions started back in January 21, uh, back at the start of the year. And I have to say, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, sharing this little exploration of how we celebrate our way through life. Uh, so thank you to all of my guests, all of my contributors, everyone who's joined me across the last uh, 24, 25 episodes or so. Um, thank you very much to you, the listener, for tuning in and being part of it as well. I've got some really nice episodes planned for 2022, so do keep your eye on the Celebration Sessions Instagram page for updates. And you know what? Uh, maybe a nice little Christmas present to me would be to uh, rate and review this podcast on the platform you use to listen to it. It would be greatly appreciated. So thank you very much. In the meantime, have a wonderful, happy Christmas. And above all, I hope it's a safe and healthy Christmas as well. And look, if you do happen to order fast food from a bucket for your Christmas dinner, then know that an entire country on the other side of the world is doing the same thing. That's it for me. Stay safe. Take care. Happy Christmas. This has been the Celebration Sessions podcast. Mm-hmm.